0: (laughs) What's up, horror fans, and especially Wes Craven fans. We are in the middle of Wes Craven Month here on The Last where we talk about new horror movies and TV shows, like Yellow Jackets and The Blackening and things like that, but we also talk about the classics. I don't know, is Red Eye from 2005 a classic, Dr. Zayas G-O-D?
1: I think it might be an underrated gem, or, an underseen, underappreciated gem uh, is what I'll say. I don't think I would go so far as to throw the word classic out there. I think with Wes Craven, the word classic is held for the Nightmare on Elm Street movie uh, mo- franchise and Scream and the Scream franchise. Um, and then for me, my personal. Favorite people under the stairs for me is probably one of his classics. We covered that. Uh, we covered Shocker, which is absolutely not a classic. <laughs> this is, I, I genuinely think, though, after re watching it, that this is top tier Craven because this is more than anything else a pure suspense thriller.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's what it's listed as on like Amazon. You know, it's a psychological thriller.
1: I hate getting into the, the, the minutia of the genre debate with, especially on social media with people who will try to tell me that uh, Jaws is not a horror movie or, Oh, there we go. I shed some light on the situation. Uh, there Or, you know, or people who want to argue about silence of the lambs and, This movie, the way I pretty much figure out, what's the director's intention? Is he is the is the intent to scare you? In that case, it's mostly a horror film. Is the uh, the goal to put you in suspense? Then you could throw the word thriller out there. And this movie, from about the twenty minute mark on, is incredibly suspenseful. Uh, Pretty much and and this is another case this is a rare case of like this one of the fastest movies i've ever seen this movie is effectively 76 minutes long
0: yeah. it
1: says it's an hour and 25 minutes i think it says it's like 85 minutes yeah but there's like 9 minutes of credits at the end this movie <laughs> ended at like 1 hour 16 minutes like that's barely a full moon feature (laughs) so that is like what Craven is able to pack into this movie the performances the tension uh, all in barely a buck 20 is absolutely fantastic and really if you look at the last decade to maybe even 15 years of his life Mm. um he he died i believe in 2015 and like like, he made this movie in 2005 and a sprinkled all around this are the scream sequels scream three and then scream four would come in 2011 he did this really bad movie called my soul to take Mm. um somewhere around there uh this is like probably his last great non-franchise film,
0: huh? You know, uh, it's interesting. I was literally just talking to uh Joshua McMillan, my friend, who's been on this channel a couple of times, and I was telling him we're doing uh Craven Month, and he's never seen this movie, he's never seen Red Eye. And uh he did bring up did did Craven do a movie called Cursed? Is that, that vampire movie? Is that I mean not a vamp- Werewolf. werewolf, movie. werewolf. He did it that
1: was, though? He did. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure that was kind of a cursed pun intended production Uh-oh.
0: Um,
1: where like there was really wonky CG and a lot of it had to be like reshot. And it's, if you've ever seen the really hilarious gif of a werewolf giving somebody the
0: finger. Oh, okay. That's from cursed. <laughs> oh yeah. no. Is, is it Christina Ricci or no?
1: Christina Ricci is in that, um, I don't, oh, um, oh, who plays Ant-Man's ex-wife?
0: Oh, oh, I know who that is. Fuck. I can look her up real quick. I she's yeah, also yeah. in 13, going on 30. Yeah, she's in a ton of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. She,
1: she is the, she's like the antagonist in that, to Christina Ricci's character in that movie. I, uh i really?
0: sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sounds like an interesting movie. I, yeah. Anything with a werewolf giving someone the finger. That's, that's interesting right there. Um, okay. So, so I uh, a, Judy Greer, Judy Greer.
1: There you go. I have a question for you because we're watching right. this movie in 2023. The first 20 minutes of this movie, it felt as if this movie had kind of rubbed off on some of the films that we watched last year that we genuinely loved.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Got me intrigued now. Movies so, that we genuinely loved. Okay. Refresh my memory.
1: So I'll throw out the titles of the movie and you tell me what these, what these movies have in common. Got it. Fresh and
0: Barbarian. Oh, meet cutes. Meet cute time. What do you mean meat? Oh, so, so you know don't mean by is? that. It's like when you like randomly run into somebody and have like a connection with them. Yeah.
1: Okay. Good. I I had I've never heard that term before. I kind of put it together in my head, but I also wasn't sure if you said meat cubes, and I was like, <laughs> "Are you talking about like a beef stew dish? I'm not. I'm confused. You live in Texas. Now give me some weird Texas chainsaw style beef dish that I've never heard of."
0: I I think fresh has. Jerry, some meat come cubes in. in. We're <laughs> having meat cubes. <laughs> I, I think fresh has some meat cubes in it.
1: Well, that unfortunately uh, yeah. for the lead, I. But this movie, and and I, I encourage you and anybody who might be watching this, go watch the trailer. The, mm. the one minute and 40 second trailer for this movie back in 2005. It's very subtle and it plays it even with the music choice in the trailer, almost as if you're watching a romantic comedy. And there is an alternate universe Yeah, where... Cillian Murphy and Rachel McAdams make a really um, adorable romantic comedy about strangers, strangers on a plane. There, there. You go. I just wrote the title of the movie for you. All set. I thought these two actors had amazing chemistry together. Yes. And there's part of you that if you didn't know what you were watching, you would kind of be rooting for them up until about minute 22, 23, when they're on the plane and the shits and, and you start to realize, Oh, that's what's going on in this movie. Right. Be, and and that reminded me so much of Fresh and Barbarian, two movies that had almost the exact same opening 30 minutes. Of yeah. It's like, there's these two, a male and a female character that meet somewhat weirdly. They kind of have a, a meet cute where yeah. you're not, you're not like in Fresh, it was a lot more obvious. Like they actually kind of become a couple like that's about to hook up or they did hook up. Whereas in Barbarian, it's kind of like a, will they, won't they? Can you trust this guy? Oh my God. And then all of a sudden you realize 30 minutes in, you're in a horror movie and something has happened. Yeah. And that whole dynamic is this first 22, 23 minutes of this movie. And this movie came out 18 years ago.
0: Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really interesting that you bring this up, man, because it does remind me of those two other movies. The the guy that wrote the script, he was kind of interesting to me. He actually wrote a whole bunch of other things. He he did a lot of, like, um, reboots. He did the reboot of The Last House on the Left, which is another Wes Craven movie. He wrote Disturbia right? It's sort of, like, of the same time as this movie. It's Uh, also
1: kind of a remake of uh, Rear Window. Rear Window, right. Pretty good, though. Just a very
0: good movie. Agreed, agreed. And then I didn't see the Red Dawn remake, but he did that one. And then um, he was a writer on a lot of shows, including The Clone Wars and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Oh. Yeah, and before, when you were, like, talking about how, like, the movie's very, like, it, it seems, like, real short and they get right to the point. Like, it is almost like an episode of a TV show, right? Yeah. It it could be like... This
1: feels like it could be a Twilight Zone episode or an Outer Limits episode. It's not really, like, sci-fi or it's really contained in the real world, but it it almost feels like it could be an episode of, like, an espionage show. Like, uh... Yeah. 24. Yeah. yo, yeah. Definitely. Something of of that nature. Yeah. Uh, I... I love the chemistry that they have. I, you know, one of the reasons that we brought up this movie to talk about is because very soon Cillian Murphy is, you know, he's going to light the world on fire. Oh, (laughs) Uh, you know, in Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, he plays the titular role. Yes. And, you know, 2005 he's coming off of 21 uh 28 days later uh he's also he, he's not like really well known at this point i read i read on imdb that uh he actually flew to the united states like 2 days before his wedding to meet west craven oh, uh, because he really wanted this role yeah and he, he has that look like he's he's like a handsome guy right but he also can like kind of effortless effortlessly be creepy yes and he kind of he kind of plays a similar character in batman begins
0: right which i think would be around at the same time too right
1: yeah uh 2005 yeah around that time yeah
0: yeah Right, because I know that uh, The Dark Knight is two thousand eight. It's like the same year as Iron Man, so it's like, yeah, that was one of Athena and my first date movies was
1: The The Dark Knight in two thousand eight. So I'll, I'll never forget that that came out in two thousand
0: eight. Well, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up though, honestly, because this movie reminds me of a very specific time in my life, and and like seeing Killian Murphy's career begin, like with Twenty Eight uh, Days Later, and then this, you know, and then he's the Scarecrow. Like, I remember just going to the movies all the time when this movie came out, and I would just go see anything. And I didn't—I don't even think I knew that this was a Wes Craven movie when I went to go see it.
1: I think that might have been the only reason I went to see it, because I might have oh. seen the trailer for this and been like, eh, this looks like a disposable movie, like action thriller on an airplane. And, oh, Wes Craven directed it. Eh, whatever, let's go, you know? yeah. Uh, there were a bunch of movies that came out around this time that I had like no expectations for and completely blew me away. There was a Chris Evans movie called cellular. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, That was like shockingly good. Yeah. And then there was an, um, the other movie that I always think of, not that in like that suspense thriller type way is phone booth, which I think was 2004. Sure. Sure. And That was another movie where didn't really have any, like, you know, you kind of walk in going, how the hell are they going to make this an exciting movie? It's in a phone booth, the whole movie. And that was uh, written by Larry Cohen. And he's like one of the kings of like maximizing budgets and like exploitation cinema from like the late 70s and 80s. So I always kind of paired these movies together because like there, it was like a, a stretch in the early 2000s of movies that like I didn't really have a lot of high hopes for. Uh, And they like this movie was made for $26 million and it grossed almost a hundred million worldwide. It like, Holy shit. And considering that it was only an hour and 20 minutes and the villain spoiler alert, the villain is not dead at the end. He's like left to be captured. It does kind of feel like there's like a setup in place uh, where this could have become a franchise. You know, one of the things I love about this movie is how little you know about Cillian Murphy. You just know that he's like the setup man for, like, he's not a hitman, but no. he is the guy that sets up the hits, but he's also a middleman. And at the end of the movie, he's got like this pen lodge, and he's, oh, I got that. And it just feels like it's set up for him to be this like great overarching like villain where he comes back with his raspy voice. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I
0: well, I. well, let me ask you this. In the movie, I don't think anyone dies, right? Uh. That's it? Oh, maybe there is the one guy that is supposed to kill her dad. Oh, the hit the hitman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, like, drives the car, like, into him or whatever, right? Or... And, and so you know, it's funny. I, I wanted to talk about the dad too, we had a, a chance because, um, you know, Brian Cox, Brian Cox. He's always like this character actor that's in so many things. But I think most people at this point know him from Succession as the father in Succession. You know, and I just I just fucking love him because I love Succession, I and then he's never, the dad. And watched
1: an episode of that.
0: Oh, uh, I don't I don't know if you would like it or not, but it, it's really well written, and um, I mean,
1: he he's just been around. You know, he's one of those actors who, like, he's probably in his seventies now, and he hit it like, like you said, everyone's talking about Succession,
0: succession, and it's
1: like he hit like his biggest role at this point of his career. Meanwhile, he's the first ever Hannibal Lecter.
0: Hannibal Lecter, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's been in like everything, like it. So, like, there's too many movies for me to even think of. But yeah, like, and he just plays like generic dad
0: yeah it's just hanging out and he's he's kind of trash talking texas and stuff because rachel mcadams parents are divorced and her mom lives in texas and then um he, he has a few things to say about texas you know on the phone and, and and like dr phil also plays like a big role in the movie like there's like a dr phil book that's it's just self-help book yeah 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 and i think this was kind of like right around when dr phil was starting to become big
1: Well, it's also interesting. Uh, One of the things I wrote down is one of the themes of the movie is kind of like battling against toxic masculinity and chauvinism. And again, this was 2005. Yeah. Years, like over, God, a decade and a half before the Me Too movement. Oh, yeah. Before You know, like if this movie would have come out today Mm -hmm. and they would have like some of the dialogue Mm. about like your female centric brain (laughs) needs to, like a lot of people would have heard that dialogue today and been like, Oh God, I grown eye roll. Right. This to me just strikes something that we brought up in our review of people under the stairs. Wes Craven had a knack for being kind of at the forefront topically Yep. With a lot of these social issues. We saw this in People Under the Stairs. We we made, you know, we, we kind of, you know, beat on him a little bit when we talked about Serpent in the Rainbow a while ago about how he might have, like, exploited the culture of Haiti and then voodoo and, you know, white savior tropes there. And right. then he comes back and he does, you know, the People Under the Stairs about, you know, uh, gentrification and... You know, socio-political context and race, and now he's 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 he has a female protagonist in this movie who's strong, assertive, like you know, and effectively, like, foils this cool, suave, male-brained guy. Yeah, it doesn't come across as like overbearing or eye roll-inducing. No, it just it it feels like. Wes Craven was kind of ahead of the curve again
0: and yeah and I mean you bring up a really good point about that because it's not like I think that nowadays if someone was tackling the same kind of story she would have all these crazy moves like physical moves and she would be doing all these kind of like cat and mouse things with him and like maybe being a step ahead of him a couple of times but in this movie she really is at his mercy up until when the plane lands And that's when she makes her move. And um, I I remember when I first saw this movie in 2005, I would have been about 23. And um, I I just kind of thought, you know, I thought it was like sort of generic. I didn't appreciate it as much. But then when I watched it this time around, when she stabs him in the neck, it's such a vindicating moment. Because she's at his mercy pretty much the majority of the film. And then right in that moment, she's able to tie it into that story of when she was a victim, too, in the past and and just like really get him and he's not expecting it i don't even know if the audience is expecting it they do some there's great- a lot
1: there's a lot of things like that where uh the movie m- the movie is moving from like the opening scene she's like in a frantic rush to get to the airport <laughs> you feel the tension of just that yeah then yeah. the movie kind of slows down on the airplane and you get to feel everything in this like agonizingly slow like and then there's that one scene where he's, like, calmly telling her. It goes from, like, he's he's suave and charming to now he reveals who he is, the plan.
0: Right. And
1: she's, like, struggling to realize what's going on. And then he, like, out of nowhere, headbutts her unconscious. Yeah, and you're just yeah. like, what the fuck? Oh,
0: yeah. my God. Yeah.
1: And then a little bit later, he, like, bum rushes her into the airplane bathroom Yeah, to the point where like the stewardesses almost blow it off as like mile high club. Oh, it's going to be this kind of plane ride. And it's like, so that's what I love. Like Cillian Murphy is he's, he's so he could be charming, suave and handsome. And then he could be so freaking like literal fast, turn on a dime, scary, violent. Um, and, and it did kind of remind me of his scenes with Maggie. Was it no Katie Holmes in? Uh, yeah, yeah, Batman I'm thinking Dark Knight. Yeah, of in, Katie Holmes in Batman Begins. Yeah, and, but the strength of this movie, I I think, and I think we're kind of talking around it, is Rachel McAdams. Y- y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is, I think, what you were saying with like the, the how the dialogue could have been like really heavy-handed or like she could have been like a super ninja. Right, right. That was like everything that was bad about Black Christmas 2019. Oh. Where it was like every line of dialogue was like beating you over the head with the sledgehammer of plot about how men are the worst. And <laughs> I I get it. I get it. We suck. Yeah. But you can, you can tell that story subtly. You know, we didn't need a lesser movie would have given us a flashback to her getting attacked in a, in this uh, parking lot and getting that scar. The movie lets us, you know, we see the scar. We see her reading a self-help book. We hear these little lines of dialogue about how she's sick of her dad always asking her if she's okay. It's like, we're clued in with context clues to what happened without them beating us over the fucking head with it. Yep. And then like you said, she's super smart. She, she like the way she like gets the pen and like, it's all setting up and you're like, where is she going to stab him with that? And then like that scene is just so fucking crazy. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote down for Rachel McAdams. I wrote, I, she's so effortlessly beautiful as, but like, she also is, she's gorgeous, but she also looks like a regular human being.
0: Yes. I know what you're saying. Which is
1: such, and I don't know if that's a quantifiable talent that, and that goes for like, there is like for men and women for, for all actors. Like there are men who look too good to be real. Like,
0: like Chris Hemsworth.
1: Yeah, I we're fucking reading each other. I was just thinking, like, he's the first person <laughs> to come to mind. Where like if he was playing a romantic lead in a movie, I already don't believe it because my God,
0: please. Yeah. Like, Thor.
1: yeah, you're fucking Thor. It's <laughs> where, but like Rachel McAdams is beautiful, but she also looks like she could be a woman I work with she yeah. could be a woman who lives in my building. She yeah. looks like she doesn't look overly made up or, no. you know, like a supermodel. Like it's, it, she, she just looks real. Right. And, and she is a real person from the minute you meet her, like that work, like obsessed with work, but great at her job, you know, and this movie like rides on the, sh- like her strength as a character and as an actress throughout it's basically a two-person movie
0: oh yeah 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 it could be a play i mean there are these like the dad brian cox is kind of the the other main standout character then there's the uh like the guy that's like in charge of homeland security or whatever that they're targeting um and the
1: other girl cynthia who works at the hotel
0: oh yeah i love that actress by the way that's um let me just i wrote her name down but uh
1: she's she's, been in a million things also
0: jama mays yeah, I, I, I most notably I remember her from like uh, season one of Heroes. Did, did you ever watch that? Yes. Yeah, at it.
1: least for like three, four, uh, a lot of seasons.
0: Okay, I don't okay, know if yeah. I
1: finished it, but
0: um, and then and then I, I need to I need to point out this one woman. I don't even know. Have you ever seen the movie Home for the Holidays?
1: Is that with um, Holly Hunter? Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So so me and Sherry, we have like a tradition where we watch it every Thanksgiving because it takes place on Thanksgiving. There's like family drama and stuff. She eats that shit up, it's a good movie. And um what do you call uh the, the woman that's on the plane that gets the Dr. Phil book is in that movie, and she's a woman on the plane who's really fucking annoying. So so in my mind, in my head canon, Red Eye and Home for the Holidays are in the same universe, and that's the same woman, you know.
1: I yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> I, I This movie also, um, there was one thing that I thought the movie could have done that, again, that I really liked that they did this. They didn't make the hitman a character. He's just like, yeah. they, you see him and he's promptly taken out by a car. Right. I thought it would have been like really cool if Wes Craven could have put in a phone call and maybe gotten like Robert Englund to be the hitman, yeah, 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 yeah. or like because like you're kind of built up like he's the way that um, Cillian Murphy describes him, Jack Ripner. I I mean like even their their communication at the beginning, they're like flirtation where he's like, "Call me Jackson because my parents named me Jackson Ripner," and they like laugh about that. And then you know he he the the whole thing with the Bay breeze and the sea breeze and it's just i i love you know you just said it and i feel this a lot if if i'm watching a movie and i feel like this could be a 90 minute play off broadway yeah it makes me love the movie so much um and i thought that watching brooklyn 45 uh which i saw um the premiere of at IFC center. Uh, I have a review up on the channel, Ted Gagan's new movie on shutter. Uh, That movie feels it's really, it's a one location movie. This movie is effectively, it's the airport, the airplane, her house at the end and the hotel. It's four locations. You can, you can do that. And there, like we said, there's there's four, there's two main characters and really two to three side characters. Yeah, it's such a small movie. Yeah, and it it's just it, it's so well paced. I I I I think I've made my point that I yeah. love this movie. I, I I think I messaged you. I was 30 minutes into the movie, and I messaged you, and I was like, "Oh my god, I fucking love this movie!" And you're like, "Well,"
0: <laughs> I, I sent I was, you the hey, I sent you the Thor meme. Speaking of Chris Hemsworth, I sent you that meme where it's like. Mm.
1: But the but, funny thing is, like, you're like, you're like, yeah, well, I think it's like a 7.5 to an 8. I'm like, oh, that's
0: yeah.
1: I'm like, okay, I'm like at 9 to 9.5. We're only off by like a. a, a You know, one number
0: or two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. Like, here's the thing, right? It's fun. There isn't really anything in it that I'm like, oh, I don't like this part, or I don't like that they did this. Everything is good, you know, And, and what it sets out to do, it accomplishes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that sometimes since we review things and we try to focus on stuff and we, we talk so much about everything, I think we want everything to be profound. But this is just like a good movie to go see in a Perfect theater. Perfect way to
1: describe it. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there is nothing profound about this movie. It's not going to change your life. In many ways, if you know going in that it, it's a thriller or yeah. if it's a Wes Craven horror thriller type right. movie, then it kind of is exactly what you think it's going to be. I mean, the last sequence of this movie, if you put a ghost face mask on <laughs> on uh, Cillian Murphy, yeah. Rachel McAdams might as well just be Sydney Prescott because it's right. effectively a scream house chase scene.
0: Right. Uh, right. That
1: they do at the beginning and the end of the original scream and they do right. in almost every scream movie. I mean, yeah. she's hiding behind doors she's attacking, you know, he even trips, he, like he acts like Ghostface. So like yeah. that had to be Wes Craven just being like, here's the scene in Scream where Sidney's running through Stu Mocker's house. I want you to do that in this scene. There's even a dad laying unconscious on the floor. <laughs> it, it's, right. it's a, so it's like Wes Craven shot what he knew and what yeah. he'd done before. It's like you said, it's not profound. It's not going to change the world, but this is, uh, you know, a, a modestly budgeted, uh, two star vehicle. And by two star, I mean, two stars, not two star out of the four, <laughs> two, two like young stars, uh, on the rise. I mean, this was Rachel McAdams, I think right after, or right before the notebook She right. or definitely right after, uh, what was the Lindsay Lohan movie that she... Mean the, Girls. Mean Girls. So, like, she was in, like, her early prime uh, as an actress. Cillian Murphy was about to have Batman and Inception. He was, like, the new Christopher Nolan supporting star leading up to now he's going to be an Oppenheimer, and now he's finally the main star. into the new main, <laughs> the new right. Nolan star.
0: Right. Uh,
1: and it's an hour and 17 minutes before the credits. I mean, so even if you don't like this movie, even if you don't like this movie, there are like season finales of TV shows now that go longer than this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Sounds like a pretty good endorsement to me, man. So, you know, at the end of our Craven month, we should definitely rank all the movies that we've watched. And I'd like to see where you would rank this one. I know People Under the Stairs is going to be high on your list, but you know we'll, we'll rank all of them. Uh, what, which one do you think we should cover next? I think we have at least one week worth of Craven Month left.
1: I mean, I think we have to go back a little bit at this point. I yeah. think we, um, we've we hit on uh, his last movie of the 80s, his first movie of the 90s, and now one of his non-stream movies from the aughts. Yeah. Um I think we need to go back and do one of his grittier first you know movies maybe either the original Hills Have Eyes or um maybe one of his lesser known early 80s films like Deadly Blessing or Deadly Friend. Uh <laughs> Deadly Friend I don't think we have to cover. I don't think he was particularly very happy with that movie. I think that was kind of Yeah. you know but Deadly Blessing is interesting. And as a young Sharon Stone, uh, mm. very weird little movie. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes is real nasty and gritty. Um, and I know you love the remake of that. So I yeah. thought that could be something. So we could figure it out during the week. But we'll definitely get in at least one more.
0: Should, yeah. We'll figure it out during the week. And then you guys watching at home, we love when you comment on our stuff. I know Danny, like, writes back to a lot of y'all's comments. Um, and he's always posting content on the channel left and right why don't you let us know if we put it up right now for y'all would you rather us do the hills have eyes the original or would you rather us do deadly blessing you said right yeah so so either one of those you know let us know in the comments which one you'd rather us come or if
1: you want us to watch cursed and deal oh. with a vampire give a werewolf giving everybody the finger
0: yes yes i just gotta check it out now man but yeah well we know we love christina brici on this channel because yellow jackets but uh yeah That's it for this week. Danny and I will be back next week with probably our last Wes Craven movie and then we're going to be covering some shows. I know that Danny and I talked about maybe doing that show from coming out too, so let us know if you guys are interested in that. Also,
1: uh, Chris gave us a good idea uh, with David Gordon Green's Exorcist uh, coming out later this year. Maybe we would go back and watch the Exorcist series on Fox, maybe cover some of the exorcist films we've already we've covered the original uh we did like an unholy trinity uh, month uh in december a few years ago uh so that review is up on the channel i'd love to talk about exorcist three i would not like to talk about exorcist two <laughs> uh but yeah i mean i would love to talk about exorcist three and uh i did watch season one of that show and it was really good i never finished it but i heard great things from chris and others um yeah speaking cool. of Chris and Brian we did uh, a flash review on Comic Books Transformed if anybody is interested in uh, your other channel and comic book movies uh, yeah. you can check that out
0: yeah please do that that flash discussion was a lot of fun uh, and like Danny said it's on Comic Books Transformed we got new videos coming out every week just like we do on the Lasser cast so let us know guys if you're out there watching our stuff we'd love to hear from you and Danny and I will be back next week.